Oak, too bad, because Charlie's here. Or Amanda, whichever one. <laughs> ah! Beautiful! All right, well, here we are. We're testing out a video format. You're actually call number two today. We're testing out a video format, so I wanted to thank you for that. It's going to be on YouTube since the new craze this year. And we're going to get into this year, but the craze this year is bands show up with these incredibly elaborate video setups, and they're mad at me being a podcast for not having a video setup. So, since the word podcast is expanding its definition and the borders are definitely disappearing around it, uh, we're going to try we'll try video here. So, uh, um, let's kick into it. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. Today on Rock Metal Podcast, we have Van Tenor, and they've got a new album called Hollow Storm, which is released on November 6th via Syndicall Music. Right now, I'm being joined by Charlie to share some more information about what the band has got going on, what they've been up to. Speaking of this year, aside from this release that has just now surfaced uh, amidst this hollow storm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, some good, that's some good pun work there, dude. That's impressive. I had to um, do it you're now. You're a few minutes next to you. Oh, this is my son Gabriel. So yeah, Gabriel's going to be Gabriel before. I remember, I remember Gabriel from before. Mm-hmm. So Gabriel's going to be our assistant engineer for the call. Is that correct, son? All right, baby. Yeah, I was just having breakfast, so I was a little slow. Yeah, he was having breakfast. It's okay. Some people were stuck on the tubes. So, Charlie, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, hello. Now, I was actually given this uh, a re-listen to prepare for the interview before we got onto the call, and I had some some questions that I had remembered that I had before. Basically, the first thing I wanted to get into is because I know that you guys were doing a lot of this uh, production in and around lockdown situations, correct? Yes, yeah, all of it, yeah. Okay, take us through that. What's it like to make a record in this unique situation what sort of challenges came up? Did it actually race challenges? Was it easier? Um, it's actually been something I've been thinking about a lot because the album, the way it is now, like we're really happy with it and we're really proud of it. But it was supposed to be recorded in like March, April time. So that's kind of given me a lot to think about because I've been thinking, well, in an alternate universe, would this record have been different? Like, would I have written things differently? Would would it have been better? Would it have been worse? Like, I, it's really strange. It's a strange thing to think about. Um, we were all set to go in March and April. And then uh, I got I got the virus like early March. And at that point, everyone was like, eh, we don't really know if it's going to be a thing. We'll see. It might be a thing. It might not. Um, and then, yeah, like kind of the tour started getting canceled. So we were like, well, we're probably going to have to cancel the studio now. It, it was strange because like basically over through the summer things eased up a little so we could kind of do a bit of writing and a bit of prep but i mean for this album we literally had no rehearsal time at all like we we hadn't rehearsed i think nearly i think nine of the 11 songs we'd never played together in a room or even heard like the guys had never heard my vocals i'd never heard the drum parts like um so it was kind of weird in that respect we'd all been learning it and playing it but none of us had ever actually played it all at the same time um so it was weird it was definitely strange and we had to kind of change things up we recorded in three different studios this time um and we had there was lots of lots of we transfer and dropbox and file sharing and it wasn't the same as it always is you know it's usually everyone sits in a room for two weeks and drinks a bunch of beers and kind of gets on with it this was um lots of logistics and more methodical um lots of face masks uh lots of hummus 
Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good process. It was interesting, um, but it was uh, it was a challenge. Definitely, it's definitely the hardest album I've had to do. Definitely. Okay, now to correct me if I'm wrong, you guys actually get Autolenghi's hummus. What the hell is that? Yo, Tom Autolenghi, he's, he, he, I think he has restaurant, a vegetable restaurant, a Middle Eastern vegetable restaurant in London. So as soon as you mentioned hummus, I'm just imagining you've got oh. this, I don't know, angelic, pristine uh, Middle Eastern hummus, as accurate as can be, uh, crushing a few pints of whatever it is that you do. I don't know. Are you a brown ale kind of guy, a Guinness kind of guy? Uh, no, not at all. Um, but I am a I'm, I'm a newly converted hummus kind of guy because my wife is from the Middle East and she puts it on most stuff. Um, so and she's a vegetarian, and so am I. So a Middle Eastern vegetarian restaurant. I didn't know about this in London. I don't know how I've missed this. To be honest with you, why why right. does someone from Canada know this and I don't? This is shocking. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Very shocking, Andy. Well, because yeah, uh, um, a friend of mine, a friend of mine last year got me a, a free subscription to MasterClass. Uh, and recently they had this guy, Autolinghi, on, and uh, Samantha, my wife, sent him to me and said, hey, you love Middle Eastern food, which I do, um, being Jewish, and I've been to the Middle East, and uh, discovering that hummus can actually be good, really good. Yes. Uh, it, it, it sucks in North America beyond uh, the unreasonable doubt, but once you learn how to make it right, man, amazing. Uh, so... There's this Middle Eastern guy, and she's like, oh, you got to check this guy out. I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is. Apparently, he's from Jerusalem, went to London to go to culinary school, and then opened up a restaurant in London, has cookbooks. He's a celebrated chef. I figured this is my chance to talk to somebody who eats hummus in London. We, we could bond over this moment. And a vegetarian, yeah. Doing and a vegetarian. Uh, uh, I'm and sorry, just... I should have been prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, and on that, that note, though, my favorite beer in the world is uh, a Lebanese beer called Almaza. It's the best beer I've ever had. It's delicious. Okay. All right. We'll have to put that onto the old docket and surface that at another time. But uh, something else that I wanted to uh, chat about, because you did the guitars on the record, correct? No. I mean, kind of. Well, not really. I mean, when it comes to the writing part, I play a lot of the guitars and I play guitars live. But when it comes to the actual recording, like Jono's the guitarist, so he records all the guitar parts. Um, and I mean, on the, on the actual writing of the songs, he's probably about 80% of it. Um, but I come up with a few riffs, a few lines here, a bit here, and like a few bits and pieces in the early writing stage. But no, Jono does the uh, Jono does all the guitar work. Okay, never mind. That this is like the hummus thing. We were we were gonna I was gonna go in a deep dive uh, on the guitar because something that I thought was really cool, and I read this in uh, one of the snippets, I believe, on Spotify actually about how you guys started off industrial and then have started to gel into your own thing. Yeah. Um, and the only, the only example I have, and this is like a span of like, I don't know, 25 years of difference, but uh, I heard Marilyn Manson in the car and I thought that guitar tone is wretched. It's just a box full of bees, but it, it fits when John five was doing there fits what Marilyn was doing at that time. Yeah, and I'm listening. And I'm listening to what you guys just did, and the guitar tone seems so restrained for what I think it should be with regard to what a lot of industrial guitar sounds are. But it's still very heavy, and I think it's very heavy because I, it's so restrained. It's so uh, I don't want to say lacking gain. There's definitely gain in that signal, 
but because I can hear the guitar instead of the bees, it's so much heavier. Yeah, no, definitely. A, a lot of we, there's a lot of thought process that goes into the production of an album. Everything from like the themes and the lyrics to the to the sound to the way the songs are going to be. There's so many kind of layers, almost on a kind of like, sort of subconscious level, like hypnotic level, almost like subliminal messaging. So like all those things kind of played into it. So when when I was coming up with the theme behind the record, I was like, well, the the guitars need to be like that. They need to be infinitely deeper and more rumbling. Uh, so yeah, we switched to a seven string, um, which is the first time we've used that. Um, the last album, uh, NVIDIA was a very much like live charged, aggressive kind of violent album. It was spawned out of lots of shows and excess and sort of, you know, heavy partying and stuff. And so it, it had that kind of time and place. This both lyrically is more restrained and vocally is more restrained. And also, yeah, with the guitars, the whole thing, um, is there's a, a restraint was kind of like a running theme through it. And, um, and that ties in with the lyrical themes and the, and the concept of the whole album, this idea of like a, a storm, like this idea of there's something brewing, something's coming. Um, so yeah, that was, that was definitely intentional. Okay. You mentioned a few things about lyrical themes, musical themes, uh, Take us through that. Aside from why is the storm hollow? Is it because it, ha it it's able to give birth? It has a womb, a storm with a womb. Um, it was kind of more. Um, there's been a very clear narrative going through these four albums, and this I feel is the conclusion point of those four albums. Um, Distorture was kind of filled with a lot of. Uh, well, this is the reason, and Distorture were filled with a lot of questions um nvidia was more a case of uh kind of just giving in and accepting it but being pissed off about it and now hollow storm mirroring kind of my own life and sort of thoughts and things it's arrived at this point where it's uh it's acceptance um that i personally feel like a hollow storm in the sense that there's all this kind of bluster and violence and aggression and things going on around me and personally and musically and everything and at the middle nothing really i'm just th there's no infinite question i'm essentially just you know a lump of space dust floating in the infinite and i mean nothing and that is kind of how it's yes. i've come to that conclusion and it's kind of fed into a lot of other things um you know emotionally and personally because i've i've realized i've got nothing to really be angry about anymore um there is there is no reason or why for me I, as far as i can tell um so yeah that's where that kind of idea comes from mm -hmm. next on the buddha now podcast we're going to be chatting about enlightenment and how there really is no sorrow unless you want there to be um <laughs> Something else that you had mentioned was uh, on the previous record, I believe you said a lot of heavy partying. There's also coronavirus being mentioned. So you spent a lot of time in Florida, obviously. Um, take us take us through that. And um, oddly enough, uh, there's, there's been three bands I've had on who've had experience with coronavirus. Uh, Van Tenner, obviously right now. Uh, and then there was another band whose drummer had it but I was able to chat with him. And then there was a guitar player who had, it, and I was able to chat with him and, and, and hear more about what it was, <clears throat> what it was like. Take us through it, especially since you were one of the earlier cases, not one of the, the more recent cases. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, it was, uh, it was a lot scarier 
back in March when I got it because I literally got it on the day the pandemic was like announced on March the 11th. Uh, that's when I started feeling sick. And um, at that point, it was basically just stories of of infinite death uh, coming in from like uh, mostly like Italy and China. And it was kind of it was like, oh, this this is going to this is going to wipe out the, the planet. So I was like, whoa, this is pretty heavy. Uh, what do I do? Plus, I have asthma as well. So my lungs were like I was a bit like cautious. Um Amanda had had it and she seemed a bit okay, just a bit feverish. I started getting worse and worse um, until the point where I was like, wow, this is actually getting pretty scary. Like, I think I might have to go in and and be like put on a ventilator or something because it was getting pretty tough. Um, and then miraculously after like day seven, when it hit its peak, it just suddenly in the morning just, just got better, just started to go away. Um, it left me like uh, two, I'd say two to four weeks afterwards of like, exhausted and worn down um couldn't really do anything i went out for a run about two three weeks afterwards and i literally got 200 meters and I had to stop um which is pretty bad for a guy who can run a 10k pretty comfortably so um yeah it was a very weird experience um and at that point as well like i mean this is the same for a lot of people but you know all the all the shops were like the food is you know gone and the shelves were empty and you couldn't get toilet paper or bread or milk and we were eating food from the gas station at the end of the road and like <laughs> it was just weird like um so yeah and like and meanwhile like you know in, i don't know if this happened in canada but in england we had people burning 5g masks because they thought it was 5g that was causing it so people were burning the masks and stuff and uh it was weird. It was very weird, but I, I kind of channeled it into um, my own solo project stuff. I did a couple of songs to kind of go through that emotional process because it was pretty scary at the beginning. Um, and I know a few people that have had it really bad. Um, some people have been tested, tested positive and have had no reaction or symptoms at all. Seems to be just a genetic lottery of, uh, of you know, how you get it and what happens. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was. Uh, I think everyone should have a bit of a brush with death. Um, I think it's good for you. Um, I, I had a, I had a big one back in 2011 and it's one of the best things that's ever, uh, happened to me because it's, uh, really puts things in perspective. It reshuffles your cards pretty damn quickly. Okay. You mentioned a couple of things, uh, some, some post late effects. I've read some articles about people having delayed effects for a very long time. Are the delayed effects over for you then? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was literally like three, four weeks, like, and then I'm, now I'm just back to my normal annoying self, but, um, yeah, like it's, uh, it's fine. Okay. So then also the next part is that the brush with death wears off. So you need multiple, uh, brushes with death to have these Buddha like moments where you yeah. realize, okay. Well, I mean, I had a bad one back in 2011. I choked and, uh, I was like, this is it. I got like, <laughs> I got like, I got like 35, 40 seconds and that's it. It's, it's good night Vienna um and uh and yeah that that really like scared me big time like and i i have i've had ongoing like anxiety and like ptsd effects from that for years and years and years but um but it's good and i know other people who've had similar experiences like that um and you suddenly does put things in perspective you stop getting complacent and you're like i need to get my shit together and get on with stuff because that idea that you're like oh yeah i'm getting older and i'll die one day it suddenly becomes very 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 present all of a sudden and um yeah you know I, I think this year as a whole i mean that aside i think people have prioritized self-care self-care a lot more this year mental health physical health um you know they've realized what's important and um what yeah what what needs uh 
I guess what what the really what the kind of the top three or four things that people have in their life are. You know, is it you know is it family? Is it travel? What are those things that people need? Um, and now we've had them all taken away. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people I know have kind of actually got weirdly a lot of positive things out of this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you mentioned in the beginning, you're like John, you're glowing. Well, thank you. Uh, as 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 my massage therapist put it. Most people have done the COVID-19 up, but I've done the COVID-19 down. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just I was on lockdown and I said, OK, well, what can I control? Yeah, well, I can you know, I can control my own daily routine. So if I'm going to be a hamster in a wheel, then I might as well get on the wheel. So I did. And, <laughs> you know, did you actually buy a wheel? I hope so. <laughs> I, I bought a wheel. It was like it was like Eurovision. <laughs> Or, you know, the Euro song contest. It was like that. Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree with you totally. Like, I think, you know, <laughs> we, we're all we're basically we're all just we're stuck with the time that we've been given. You know, I mean, you can sit around and complain or you can get on with stuff. And, you know, I've been doing my French lessons. I've been doing my Kung Fu. I've been meditating, running, you know, just kind of making the most out of each day because, you know, you're not going to get it back. So you might as well make make the most out of the year. And, yeah. you know, I mean, generally speaking, I'm pretty happy with the year. Like, it's, you know, it could have been better. But, I mean, the album's done. I'm in a good place. I can't complain. It's all elliptical, really. And, you know, since you mentioned... How Kung many more of these puns are you going to get in? Like, I'm just curious. <laughs> have you got, like, a list in front of you? <laughs> I I just might. Uh, but since you mentioned Kung Fu, fun, fun story is, um, as of today, officially, where I live, it's it's outlawed for a couple of weeks um uh yeah group gym gym and group fitness uh has been has been outlawed for a couple of weeks um we won't get into the politics of of that and and our current governmental system here in in alberta that's a whole other story for another nugget but um i started doing kung fu a couple of months ago specifically a northern style mantis right I just figured we could have, you know, the Kung Fu podcast for two minutes. You said you, said you do Kung Fu. Yes. Most people, <laughs> most, most people, how, how is it? How is it in London? I say I do Kung Fu and people give me a weird cockeyed glance. And then two days later they go, so how's karate going? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's an element of that. I mean, people generally like the kind of the, the, the generic stupid question is like, oh, show me some Kung Fu. I'm like, what? Like, Do you want me to kill you? Like which yeah, way? Yeah, like it's a reactionary thing. If you come at me with a knife, I'll like I'll like, go for it. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't really yeah. know what I'm supposed to show you. Um, and I think most people are kind of uh, associated with the Matrix. So there's like you know kind of mm. uh, lots of slow motion and stylistic hand waving. Um, but uh, I mean, I my instructor lives not far from me, so we like throughout lockdown we've been kind of doing one on one sessions where we can. And um, uh, I I do stuff at home. I do my forms every day and whatever. And um, it's good. It's a nice discipline. Like I've become, become one of those kind of annoying people where uh, I've kind of stopped the, the, the heavy living lifestyle and now indulged in various different kind of physical pursuits to fill that void. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I love it. I get a lot of, get a lot out of it. I like the discipline. Um, I like the kind of, I like that uh, sort of far East approach to something. You know, the, the Japanese are, you know, key for this as well with their cooking and their culinary things. Just doing one thing absolutely perfectly over and over and over again until it becomes absolutely flawless. And I love the idea of that. Um, you know, mastering a, a hand movement or a particular form to the point where you ju- it just, you know, it can't get any better. It has to be perfect. I love that. 
Mm-hmm. You have to become. Yes, you do. You don't want to be crossed and cursed. No, you definitely don't. Just, just surrender, Charlie. Just surrender. <laughs> I think that's six. I think we're doing well. <laughs> I know. I, without any displacement, uh, without being displaced, I didn't want any late days. Speaking of, of which, um, something that I found really interesting is uh, Surface is the lead single, I guess, off of the record, yeah? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, for now, yeah, for sure. There's going to be a few, but yeah, that's the one for now, yeah. A few lead singles. Everybody can be first place. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, always, that's always my favorite comment. It always comes from the more pompous musicians I have on who need more uh, death what have you. Anyway, um, something else I've noticed here on Sp- between Spotify and, and YouTube, there's some popular tracks because the record has been out at this time of recording for what about a two week? Well, week, week and a half, November 6th. Uh, yeah, it came out uh, a week ago today. Yeah. Last Friday. Okay. Um, so I don't know how much these numbers uh, have really tabulated just yet, but uh, Spotify elliptical and surface are really popular tracks. And on YouTube late days, this is a really popular track. Um, I'm just curious, obviously surface has been pushed for marketing reasons, but elliptical and late days, do those come as surprises? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot about this album that came as a surprise. Uh, I mean, usually when you kind of go in, you kind of go, oh, this sounds really cool. And then sometimes you go and go to play in the studio to play live and go on tour and you're like, oh, that sounds terrible. Let's not play that. And whereas this was kind of the opposite, we kind of went in with all the songs written and we're like, we know how they're going to sound. They're going to sound great. Um, and then they just kind of came out of nowhere. I had my like top two or three for the Sithy album. And I was like, yeah, these are going to be the best ones. Completely changed my mind on all of them. Um, like um, Elliptical it was a la- last minute addition, really. It was something that Jono had written like all the riffs for. And he's like, what about this? I was like, yeah, that sounds badass. Let's do that. Um, and it was really, really last minute. Um, Late Days, again, very different for us. And they came out just way better than we expected. Once we put the vocals on and we'd done everything else and changed some things in the process, they just kind of transcended everything we expected from them. Um, and I do find it interesting as well. Like I was actually looking at the Spotify stats the other day because the songs that I think are the best aren't always what other people think are the best, which is pretty standard. But like Wrong, some of- but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but some are like my fame, my most, my favorite tracks we've done. Like, if I had to pick like the top two or three, I think are the best things I've ever written. They're not even in like the top fifty. Um, so it's really strange for me to see what people connect with. And I've had some people say to me in the past, like older tracks, they're like, "That's my favorite song you've ever done." And I'm like, "Really? It sucks. I, well, I'll never play that live. I hate it." Um, so, so yeah, we conceived our been, child to that song. It's well, no, it's been cool to see the response to it, and um, I think also because elliptical and late days are a, they're the biggest kind of um, musical shift for us. There's like a big kind of crunchy, hefty new metal kind of sound going on there, which is not something we've done before. So um, I think people were surprised, and maybe we've gained a few fans, a new and new fans along the way as well. Yeah, I was going to ask with with a lot of what's going on with this record, production wise, the way that it was produced, recorded, uh, some of the material that's shown up on it is. Do you think this is like a once in a lifetime thing for Ventenor, or do you feel that this is going to shape shift the way things uh, are are going to go on for the next record? Um, I already have the plans for the next record and the one after that. Um, so I tend to work like a long way in advance. I, I come up with themes and ideas and like all kinds of things very, very far in advance. This one, as I said, was a bit of a surprise, 
but it was something that I wanted to have in mind, that idea of restraint. And um, I'd done three albums with a lot of screaming, especially the last one was just screams for days. So um, I was like, I wanted to direct, like purposefully dial that down a lot on this one. So the sound on this um, fits this place and time. And I think we will definitely, there's elements of this that we'll take forward to the next album. But I think every album we ever do is going to be a, a big jump in one way or another. Um, and um, uh, a, a buddy of mine, when he was asking about the album like last year, I said, well, it's going to be a change of direction. And he was just like bereft. He was like, no, don't change it. Um, just like, like that. Don't worry. No, don't it's change it. It's going to be a change it. for the good thing. For the, we're going to go in a good, good way. I mean, I wouldn't consciously write a, like a, a terrible record and be like, well, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> But there, I mean, there were things on this that we tried differently, you know, there's unexpected song arrangements, there's weird time changes, there's things that don't like just just come out of nowhere, really. And um, and I don't think we'll do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's going to be these kind of little bits along the way that work. And if they work, they get carried forward and we build around it. And then we carry those things forward again and we build something new around that. And um but I am really enjoying the crunchier, heavier metal stuff on this album for sure. That's been a, that's been a lot of fun to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, personally, I feel you know from having uh, heard your guys' work along the way, this is my favorite release so far, and it's hard to exactly pinpoint why. Um, but I think for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, is it starting to transcend into perhaps a few other metal genres? Yeah, I think as a, it was weird actually when we went into the studio. Another kind of unexpected thing: these songs seemed really different. Like they, they all seem so like spread out. And I tend to write the the initial ideas, um, like I said earlier, all fitted around a concept that all feeds into itself, and you know, it all gels together. And this, I was kind of worried. I was like, is this just going to sound like ten or eleven songs that just are just on the same record? Like. And weirdly, when it was all done in sequence, and I listened to it. I was like, this is actually the most cohesive thing I've done. It just, it flows really well. I was like, how did that happen? I have no idea how that happened. Um, Sometimes it just rains down, you know? Ah, yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's, there's yeah, a code was... underneath. <laughs> oh, double, a twofer. Um, uh, yeah. Well, that's, um... all, that's all the tracks on the album now. I don't, yeah. I don't have any more because yeah, there are no more right. tracks on the album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it was, um, I, I think it's my favorite release so far, I think as well. I mean, um, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm bad mouthing the other ones behind their backs, but, uh, I do think it's my favorite release, not just cause it's the most recent one, but I, I don't know. It, it seems to have, we seem to have just hit a, a slightly higher plateau on this. You seem to have reached another level of what I wanted to, to do. And I think, uh, most musicians when they're trying to get that sort of, you know, sound in their head out, uh, a lot of the time it's like, oh, it's really good, but it's it's not quite there. And this kind of seems to have hit a lot of, um, there's moments in this where I'm like, that's exactly how I wanted it to be. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm very happy with it. Yeah. I mean, even, I think it was late days. There's a really dark piano in there and the guitar tone is dark and everything's dark, but I can clearly hear everything. And that is a very difficult thing to pull off in a mix. Yeah, I mean, the um, so Greg Chandler, who mixed the record, uh, he's mixed 
a lot of our stuff um, over the last few years. And um, he's been he's been doing bands for years. He's like the he's he started Esoteric like a doom band years ago, and um, he's um, he knows his stuff and he knows exactly how we want to sound. So we can send him a whole bunch of stuff, and he'll be like, right, I know where this needs to be, and he'll kind of tinker with it, and take a few liberties here and there, and it always comes out exactly how we want. Um, so yeah, there's a certain art to it, but I mean, also we don't make it easier for people because when it comes to engineering and mixing and mastering, we chuck so many layers in so much stuff that all blends together. Like synth sounds are hitting the same frequencies as guitars. And I mean, I don't feel, you know, I do feel sorry for, you know, anyone that's having to tackle that vast, like, I mean, we are mixing ran over by like a week. Uh, I think it ran over, it ran over so much cause it was just too much to do. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, but no, like we, like you said, it's, it's nice cause we, you can hear all those elements. You can, they're all important as well. They're not just put in there to like beef up the track. They are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't you guys have an album with something about a reason in there or am I wrong? Yeah. That was the, uh, the first proper release. This is the reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the reason. Right yes, there. Yeah. Right there. You heard it. Beautiful. All right. Now we have somewhere in there. There you are. Hello. We have chatted about <laughs> Surface Elliptical Hollow Storm, the record production. What's been going on this year? We even touched base on uh, Gung Fu and Gung Fu. And uh, what else did we talk about? We talked about a lot of really good stuff. Um, COVID, hummus. Um, hum- yeah. yeah. Hummus. Uh, <laughs> hummus and uh, I know it never gets old. Um, is there anything that I missed that you wanted to chat about? Because I think we covered everything, but is there anything that I missed that you wanted to chat about? No, <laughs> I think I'm okay. Good. Yeah, all right, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I covered right. it. Um, no, I mean, it, it's kind of weird because it feels like, um, this year it feels like we've been really busy and put loads into it, but it also kind of feels like around about now we'd be announcing like a tour and be like, Hey, we're going to come and, you know, play this to you in person. And so it's kind of weird. It feels like it's kind of like a, been a big fanfare and it's like, ta-da, and then just sort of nothing for a bit, but we're, I mean, it's good. It's going to give us time to focus on building the band promoting the record, um, spend the next, you know, three, six months um, just really pushing it. And then um, when the world gets back to normal next year, we've already got a tour planned. So, um, yeah, we can we can start doing that again. Um, mm-hmm. January 1st, 2021, right at uh, 12 a.m., everything goes back to normal. That's the plan. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Zero, 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 <laughs> you know what I'm looking forward to, Charlie, is the people who think that. And then when it doesn't happen... Uh, they'll be upset till at least February. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, why, I don't know why people, it's like the opposite of the millennium bug. Like, I don't get it. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, that concludes all of my questions. So thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. As always, it's always a pleasure. Indeed. No, 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 hit stop. We got to hit stop recording. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> and, and the Buddha Now Podcast and the Kung Fu Now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I had a question. Like, at yep. what point is the word podcast going to be phased out? Because literally no one uses iPods anymore. Yeah, that's a great question. Because uh, my, my least favorite question is, uh, are you a podcast? Yes, the Rock Metal Podcast is a podcast. But the next part of it is where the word podcast comes from is back in the day when you actually had to hook up an iPod to iTunes 
to download something mm. onto your iPod. So it was a podcast yeah. because of the iPod. However, even that framework hasn't existed for at this point, like what, 10 over 10 years, if not 15 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So the word podcast is just being used now for, I guess, any kind of a audio program that is not professionally produced, but even some of them are professionally produced, like the BBC radio podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, which has split emotions, because I've chatted with people who work at CBC, uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and they're very split. Like, ask, screw podcasts, they're the devil. And then the other ones who were like, hey, this is the wave of the future, let's hop on it. And I don't know, it's kind of interesting. Think about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not in the podcasting world, so it's, it's very curious to me because I was like, is it going to become cloud casting or I don't know. I was curious yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. And the funny thing, I don't even consider myself to be in the podcasting world either because there's there's so many things going on out there I don't even know about that I found out about recently. Like um, there was a podcasting convention here in my very own city and I was like, what? And they had never heard of me. I'd never heard of them. I'm like, I've been podcasting in this city for over four years now. Uh, how could we never heard of each other? So it's still not a very connected community either. Yeah, no, that is, um, yeah, Luke, our drummer actually, cause, uh, me and him are both big runners and, um, he, he never listens to music running. He only listens to podcasts, um, which, uh, I think alarms other runners now and again, because you know, you're running through the woods, a guy comes towards you and then just bursts out laughing for no reason. Um, it's a little disconcerting from what I can tell for other runners. Um, but you know, he seems to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Hence, hence the big Nike symbol on your shirt. You're, you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, Kung Fu podcast. Kung Fu podcast. Uh, when I, when I... I'm old school. When I go for a run, I have nothing and it helps me to clear my mind and to motivate myself because I feel at that moment I don't need to put anything else in. I just need to exist. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. I, well, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and hit 